You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A Practical Path to Authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to those ancestors, to yours and to mine, to those ancestors who dreamt of a better future. And because of their dreaming of life, we are here today together. We are here in this most auspicious time on this planet, the end of an old world and the beginning of a new. We're here together to dream the dream of that new story for the people, for the new world. It's a powerful, powerful time. And I give thanks to those ancestors who gave us the honor to be the ones doing that dreaming, living in a way that shapes that new story. So I give thanks to these ancestors and I cross my fingers and hope that they were wise in their dreaming, that we are the ones to write the story for the new world. So I give thanks to all of those ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our ancestral lines. May we have enough sense to listen to them, to ask for their help, and to learn from their mistakes and to go forward in a way that shows the wisdom of those who have gone before us is infused in our actions as we innovate and change and do things in a way that is necessary for those who are coming. So I give great, great, profound thanks to these ancestors for gathering around us here today that we might do what must be done with their assistance. And as the ancestors gather around, may we each move our awareness from our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies. And take a nice deep breath and send our energy into the earth. And as we encounter the energy of the earth, apart from the busyness of the day, as we touch into the earth, may we take a moment and feel the profound gratitude in our hearts for life. For the beauty that, all is, that is all around us, even the struggle of the day that will ultimately bring us a gift of some kind, we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it in all of its diversity and all of its beauty here for us. We give thanks to the earth and we give thanks in a moment of awe for the miracle of life. And may we live our day in a way that shows respect and awareness and knows the blessing of that miracle of life. And as we continue to reach down into the earth through all the layers of the earth, giving our gratitude as we go, our great thanks for life, we extend down and down and down through all the layers of the earth to the very center of the earth. And as we reach and connect our center to the center of the earth, we give gratitude to the earth and call that energy up, drawing into our life, drawing into our day, drawing into these proceedings, the energies that restore and replenish the energies that refresh and renew. And as we draw these energies up, we drop all the wisdom of manifestation. How are we to be here in form 
in a good way for all living things. We draw this wisdom up from the earth into ourselves and we use that energy to cultivate in our own lives the energy of grounding, the energy of place and home and hearth and belonging. And we cultivate these energies in a way that they go with us no matter where we are. And we call out to the energy of the earth to rise up and to help us to feel our connection to ourself, our connection to others, to the environment, to the spirit world, to feel that interconnection of things, the great reciprocal gratitude that moves and keeps all the life force flowing. And we give thanks to the earth for helping us to reach our awareness out into oneness and the interconnectedness of everything in a great web of life. And may we take our relationship with ourself from that place in the great web of life and know who we are, why we are here, and what we have come to do and organize the rest of our life accordingly. So we give thanks to the energy of the earth for its presence in our day, in our life, in our body. We draw that energy up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds. We send this energy up and out through the sky, whatever weather it holds for you today. We rise up, up through the sky, through the weather, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. And we imagine our energy out there with all the heavenly bodies and the great mysteries of our universe being caressed by these energies and caressing them in return and reaching, continuing to reach all the way to the very highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know that energy, know it. Know it in your heart and believe in it. Believe that it is in you and you are in it. And draw this energy down, drawing down from the sky realms, from the heavenly realms, drawing into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings, the energy of blessing. The deep, rich, varied energy of blessing. The energy of protection. The energy of generosity and benevolence. We call these energies into our life that we may recognize all around us the rich abundance of the mentors that come into our life, the champions. And may we notice in our life when we are called to mentor, when we are called to champion another's cause. Let us feel these energies come into our head, into our heart and our body and take a moment and just feel that union of the sky and the earth coming together, these two great legendary lovers coming together within you and being that oneness, that wholeness of the big love, this energy that gave birth to all life in form as we experience it. Let your heart be awakened by these two lovers moving around inside of you and awakening all your cells, all of your body to that deep, deep truth of the love that is in all things and let your heart awaken. And we call out to the spirit of the heart to be that great crucible that it is unique in all of the chakras, that place that can draw up the fiery energies of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind and to bring them together, to hold them in a dynamic union so that in their dance, they give birth to that third and most sacred thing, the knowing of why you are here. May you find in that same heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your soul's purpose into manifestation. And for all of the help that we gain from the spirit world and the co-creation of our own reason for being here, we give great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said here today, what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that are good for all living things. 
So I give special thanks to Last Mass community, my student community, to Elizabeth, to Kelly, to Lydia, Christina, and Wendy, and all of the listeners who have donated financially to the show, for you all are helping me to keep the show on the air and to pay all of those pesky bills that seem to arrive on time every month regardless. And so I give thanks for you all of you that are helping me to do that. And I give thanks to the rest of you that are helping in the many ways with um, rich ideas for shows, your questions, and in particular, thanks to those of you that are simply taking to the best of your ability what you gain from the shows and living it in some way and allowing these teachings to change your life. And I give great thanks for those of you who are letting me know that that's happening and how you're doing it. So if this show moves you in any way, If it moves you to inspiration or agitation, it doesn't really matter how it moves you, it's moved you. And if it has, if it has moved you in the heart, let your heart move you into action. And I ask you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow, to be strong, to be vital, to be useful, and to be valuable. So help me to keep the show alive and well um, and free for all those who can um, access them through the internet. For those of you who would like to donate and have not, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button, and donate any amount, large or small. If you're uncomfortable with paying things uh, through the wonders of cyberspace, please just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to give you an old-fashioned address to mail a good old-fashioned check. Um, They are all appreciated, all forms of payment and all denominations are greatly appreciated and they all go directly to keeping the show on the air. So thank you, everyone. And I would like to give thanks today to my guest, Jean-Luc Edwards, who returns to us today. Thank you, Jean-Luc. Welcome. Thank you very much, Christina. Welcome to you. And good morning here or good afternoon to everyone listening. (laughs) So today um, we are going to be talking about the return in the sense of the mythic great archetypal return to the forest. And Jean-Luc, for those of you who don't know, um, is an ordained reverend shaman among many things that involve PhDs and letters and licenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, But he's a reverend shaman of the Wolven Path, which is a rebirth of an ancient Celtic Druidic form of shamanism from mostly northern European sorts of things that are now countries, but at the time probably weren't. Um, And he practices now in uh, British Columbia, Canada. The men and women of the Wolven Path tend the sacred circle of the Great Mystery Society. Um, And this society serves not only to maintain the ripples of shamanic process outward into the world community, but in its own small way to be one of the pebbles that creates those ripples. The society aims to reflect the worldwide community of shamanic practice and the unifying harmony between spirit and the mundane heaven and earth and the inevitable living destiny of the journey therein. There is much, much more information about the society that can be found in the wilds of cyberspace um, at Circle of Great Mystery. One word, circleofgreatmystery.org. And we are live this week and in person. So if you have questions about today's topic, you are invited to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in through the co-creatornetwork.com site. Um, or email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to read your question on the air. Um, so, there we are. So, Jean-Luc, we all know, for those of us that have been paying any attention to something other than media and 
iPhones, that um, the ancient <laughs> stories of myth and religion speak of a time on Earth when the land, the plants, the animals, the birds, the bugs, and the humans all communicated together, clearly and simply. And then the humans did something. It's debatable what it is. Everybody's got their own version. It's not even quite clear anymore what it is that we did. But nonetheless, we lost our ability to communicate directly and clearly with the rest of life. And we wandered off. We got distracted by sparkly things, um, instant gratification, and we grew addicted to the stimulus of life or the overstimulus, perhaps, of life, a life lived disconnected from all that we were originally one with. And humans forgot the path to return home. And this is perhaps the simplest explanation of the end game of the old story of the old world, is humans lost and having forgotten their way home. But we all survived the solstice of December uh, 2012, and here we are, the living, you know, faced with the new world and the responsibility of a new world and of crafting with our very actions what the story of the new world will be. And so the question of today is, what if we could remember the path back to the forest? So what does this really mean to us, Jean-Luc? If we put this into a contemporary frame, what does it mean first, I guess, to have lost our way to the forest? What does that mean for us today? I believe that uh, losing that way is is not just about losing the way, it's about losing that connection. And we've put ourselves into a place of isolation, a place of of dread. And I look at the people who come and see me, and I look at society out there, and you can see them doing so much, and you realize that at the root of it, there's a dread, a dread of being alone. And, you know, we create the wonderful joys of cyberspace and Internet and iPhones and all those things, which I may even have a couple of, assuming that that will draw us closer and make us more intimate so that we could forget our dread. But really what those have done is seemingly made the world smaller, a bit like you would dehydrate a prune. And rather than drawing us together, it's made us more lonely on a planet that we are sucking the resources out. So I think having lost our way, we've actually lost our way to ourselves, to each other, and then looking at that as a metaphor to our dysfunctional relationship with the planet that holds and yearns and calls us back. I don't believe that there's some great angel standing at the Garden of Eden keeping us out. I think that was, I think, that was uh, a misinterpretation. I think there's a great big angel shouting, come home. And we just don't listen because we judge ourselves. So we're caught in a trap. At one minute, we're caught in this dread and trying to recreate a fantasy and becoming very addicted to it. But we also judge ourselves thinking we can't possibly be worth going back. And yet the planet, the spirits, the ancestors are constantly calling to us. They send us signs minute by minute. But we see the sparkly things. We get the instant gratification. We're addicted to the fantasy of this world. I think that's a long explanation of what it's like to be away from the forest, away from our primal roots away from our 
simple means of reaching out and touching each other, reaching out and let others touch us. And when I say others, this could be a tree, a could be the coyote that ran to the garden last night. It could just be the person next door. We, we shun from that. We'd rather sit in some darkened room playing World of Warcraft and saying, look, I'm communicating with all these people. I'm in connection with them. But we're not. We're hiding. We're in a fantasy. We're afraid. Well, and it's sort of interesting, I think, because as people sort of enter into shamanism and learn to journey is usually one of the first steps. And they always go through in the first six to nine months, they go through this drama with their helping spirits, exactly as you just said, sure that they're not doing it right. They're not doing good enough. Their helping spirits are mad at them and judging them that there's this whole enacting of this experience that is entirely in the individual person's head because the bottom line is is our helping spirits take us back you know bloody ugly um happy you know however we show up they're happy to see us absolutely and and they're always happy to see us that doesn't mean they don't have some stern words for us (laughs) but they're still happy to see us they are they are that happy and yes they do have stern words i think it's that theological um argument that we create our image of the divine, of the spirits, of the ancestors, and we superimpose our own inability to communicate onto them. So we'll call a helping spirit, and we will clothe it in our fear, in our dread, in our judgment, and then say, see, the spirits don't like me. And behind that clothing, there is this bright, shining, simple spirit that's just saying, just want you to come home yeah and this is the piece really i think of that i'm finally learning you know barely is is to help people get out of their heads where that story is being projected onto everything and just to feel what's going on because if you can just feel it and ignore the story and just feel it you realize oh i'm (laughs) welcome here I'm, i'm completely welcome here warts and all and then there's a panic like oh my god now what am i gonna do (laughs) Well, I think that's Someone it. loves I think we're, me. <laughs> we're caught in a world where we think we have to do things. We, yeah. We've forgotten you know, the, the, the new age term, let's just all sit and be. And we, 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 we kind of blasé about that. But humans are caught up in doing. And sometimes we just need to stop. You know, that beautiful statement, if we stop doing, then we let God do. And we do that with the spirits. We're constantly doing action. Let they, they're much cleverer at it than we are. Let them do it and let us just be in their doing. And that is one of our greatest dilemmas, that we can't. We're constantly thinking there's something I should be doing. There's something that makes me feel that I have to be important, that I have to be individual and superior. And load of junk. Be messy. Yeah. They're waiting. They want us home. You know, in, in, not, any way they can get us, they just want us home. I th- I'm sure that's true. I'm, so well, I don't, I'm, so how could it change our lives um, to find our way back? I know we're just imagining what that could be, but it's not like we haven't had a few conversations with Spirit about this. So, so how could it change our lives if we could find our way back? Well, I suppose the easy statement to that is we might even be happy. <laughs> um, you know, 
Yeah. If, if we get back, you know, kind of harmony and peace and love, and we might just be happy. We would stop being addicted. You know, when we look at the world and we look at what we call addictions, we might put a bit of a judgment out there. We might be right and say, those people are really unhappy. You know, they're, they're in suffering. They're in needless discomfort and pain. Well, if we were to get back, we would lose our addiction to the fantasy of the world that we've created. So, yes, we would be out of that discomfort. We would be out of that. We'd be happy. At the beginning of the show, you you called to the ancestors and you asked them uh, to keep dreaming so that we would be those points of journey forward that they had created. I think we have to take a deep breath there and think, right now, where are the ancestors? Those ancestors dreamed us, now where are the ancestors? What are we doing to dream our descendants? Somewhere in the distant future, let's assume there's no such thing as time, somewhere in the distant future, our descendants are calling to us and praying to us and singing to us. And what are we singing back? Are we singing back come home, or we sing back, sorry, too busy, I've got, to, I've got to go on Facebook, or I've got to go and eat something, or I've got to go and drink something, or I've got to go and be caught up in an addiction. Are we passing on an addiction to our descendants? So going back means all that stops, this, this static miasma of pain and discomfort stops. We just fall into that. You know, I'm sure we've got lots of words. We've got heaven, we've got paradise, we've got nirvana, we've got perfection. Well, they're great words. But we might just be back to simple happiness, simple interaction, simple intimacy with everything. You know, that, that perfect moment. Well, you know, there's I'm not a... Sure that... Go on, Christine. There's a story sort of roaming at the moment around the internet that is new, newish, because this man who spent his life um, rescuing elephants died recently. And mm-hmm. elephants from days away stopped what they were doing and walked to his home and stood around his home for two days, eating nothing, doing nothing but honoring this man or whatever they were doing, doing elephant things for this man mm-hmm. who had given, devoted his life to, to their lives. And then after two days, they all turned and went back to their lives. And, you know, and, and, and people would say, well, what are we talking about this, this connection, this simplicity? You just said this simplicity. Well, if we could remember our way back to the forest, we could be that simply connected. They knew. They turned. They walked over. They honored, they went back to their lives. And we think, oh my God, how could that happen? Well, that's the simplicity we're missing by not being in the forest. And it's not like I would have to leave my home to be in the forest. It's about how I participate in my day. Indeed. You know, we, we, look, at the, we look at the story of the elephants, and you, you're right. We go, oh my God, how does that happen? What we should be saying is, oh my God, how have I forgotten to do that? Exactly. That's exactly. what's happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm going to take a minute and back up just a second. I want to put a nice sharp point on a big stick here that you gave me, which is to point out that what what Jean-Luc was saying, if in case you missed this, if we are the current ancestors and we are dreaming 
then when we choose to give our life over to the dreams of addiction, the dreams of depression, the dreams of blah, 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 whatever it is that is not us living our soul's purpose, we are contributing. That is us dreaming. That's not, well, when I get better, I'll start dreaming. That's you dreaming right now. That's you, the ancestor of the descendants, since you know time isn't really linear. You are dreaming the dream of that addiction, of that depression, of that addiction to the sparkly things, of that greed. Whatever that is, that's your dream. Whatever you're living is what you're dreaming. Just to put a nice point on that stick, I call out to the ancestors, as Jean-Luc said, but we are the ancestors. We are dreaming, and our dreams are reinforced by all that we choose to do in the day. And so the question is, what, are, what dream are you dreaming for those who are coming? And what is your responsibility in this great cycle of life? As Jean-Luc said, you're here using resources. What are you giving back? Mm-hmm. More of the same? Or something unique that only you can give? That there's some descendant in the future who cannot do easily what they have come here to do unless you do your thing now that they will be hobbled by your refusal to do your unique thing think about that for a minute so anyway where were we changing our lives okay how will that change us in the future okay so so what does so what would it mean to us to find our way back? But the other question, I think, maybe if, if there's more to it is, what does it mean to the future? You know, if we were to find our way back to the forest like now, you know, in our lifetime, humanity, yeah. what would that mean for the future? Or could that mean for the future? I... <laughs> We get caught in the trap of, of linear time. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we, 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 what we need to do is we need to free ourselves right now from the superiority that we as humans have created for ourselves. You know, we're caught in the cult of the individual. We're caught in um, being caretakers of the planet and not doing a very good job of it. We're caught in being superior got to the point where we believe that the the forest, the great forest, the earth, depends on us. Not true, actually. We depend on the earth. And so to return to the forest takes us back to that place of interdependency. And one of the things I think we have to really step up to, uh, you know, we're talking about sharp pointy sticks, is the earth has done it before. You're using too many resources. This child is creating damage and harm to the rest of my children. This child has to go. And the forest, the earth, is a, might be a cruel mother. Uh, cruel because she might look at one of her children and say, no. And she's done it before. It's called extinction. You know, humans, bless their little cotton socks, are the main force of extinction on the planet. 
to return to the forest, what would happen is that that would stop. Extinction would stop. And remember who's on that list? We are. And who created that list? We did. And who's enforcing that list? We are. So we put ourselves on our extinction hit list to return to the forest, to be in harmony with, in equal harmony, and not assume that we're in any way superior to the rest of the forest, would stop that process. What we might be able to say with some assuredness is our future, we might not know what it will look like, but it might be assured for us. We might have a future. Right now, I don't think we do. And that sounds really gloomy, and you know, all the animist traditions have the great end-of-the-world story. So do we, in our tradition, we have. We keep it secret, we just let, let people know. <laughs> Why should we let them get frightened? Because I think, I think there's this idea that we want, the, you know, we want to judge ourselves, we want to punish ourselves. That's not being a good ancestor. And because we can't face that, I think that's why we created the extinction list. Keep us going. Because really, in the end, we're going to punish ourselves and destroy ourselves. Well, and it's also very silly because it's all really just in our own head. But but we did come by that story honestly since it was a main theme in the old old world story of the people mm-hmm. that we are separate from God. You know, everything is separate from everything else. And, and it's largely held separate through that judgment. We just need to realize that that was a lie, A, the separation is a lie, and B, it was a story, and we are storytellers. If we are nothing else, we are storytellers, and we can craft a new story. And you may all want to turn off this podcast because of all the doom and gloom, but I was just at the movies Sunday night. There are two movies coming straight out of Hollywood that are based on the premise the earth has been largely destroyed by humans. Tom Cruise is starring in one and Will Smith is starring in the other. It's not like we're the only ones barking up this tree, people. I mean, if Hollywood is telling you that story, we're a little late. We need to get, <laughs> we need to get on it here. Um, so given that, in practical terms then, in an everyday North American person's life, since we're both sitting here in North America um, – on a very active fault line that could go any time and is a bit overdue, <laughs> speaking of extinction, um, what does finding our way back look like? Like what could it look like in practical terms? What if there's somebody listening to the show who just found it today and went, oh, my God, this rings true for me. What can I do today? What can I start doing now? Um, <laughs> caught in the headlights. <laughs> You know, about three years ago, in a journey, I, I had um, one of my little hangouts with the ancestral spirits. And in, in, the, in the journey, they had laid this great table out, and they were making a cake. Uh, I'm, yeah, yes, I've got a sweet tooth. And so they laid this cake, and it's a great cake. In our journeys, we're told never to eat anything. But, you know, they pressed me, so I ate the cake. It's a great cake. And then they said, now go make one. Go and make one and set a table. And I came away thinking, that's just so naive. And I suggested that to my students. And what they did was they all made a cake and they all went next door or they all went to the end of the street or they all knew an elderly person and they went and shared that cake with them. And that simple act certainly changed, whether it changed 
the old people's ideas, I you know, idea. But the students, it changed. The idea of just sharing, just being simple. And I think there are lots of things like that, you know, that, that wonderful statement, uh, random acts of kindness. But I think sometimes we just look at things and think, I've got a divinely crafted conscience. If I do something, that conscience will, al- will always say, mm, are you sure? Perhaps we should just start listening to that sometimes. Perhaps I could just rush next door and say, here, I've made a cake. Perhaps we could walk down the beach and think, look at that crappy litter, I really need to pick it up. We did a ceremony on Sunday and come, we went up into the high mountain, into the forest. And coming back, in the middle of the forest, it's a little bit like shopping cart on the moon, there was all this garbage in the middle of the forest that no one came to. No idea how it came there. And I wondered how many people had walked past that and just left it. We didn't. We, we kind of were very environmental. We picked it all up. But maybe there are just those simple little things we need to do. Be kind. Think, if I do this, Who else will not get the resources I'm about to use? They're really simple things, and they're they're in every environmental handbook. And we look at those and go, yeah, yeah, I'll do those. Yes, I'll turn the tap off when I'm cleaning my teeth. Yeah, yeah, I'll switch the lights off. But we are greedy for those resources. And sometimes we just need to step back from our greed and think, do I really need that? Do I really need that extra something? Someone else could have it. Well, and it, it's funny. There's a part of this um, making it more complicated than it needs to be that is really fed by that idea that it's separate, that our, that my spiritual practices and my return to the forest must somehow look grand and shamanic and, mm-hmm. and divine um, and versus realizing that entire thought process is based on believing that there's a separation. I, I, um, I have to say that my, my sort of reinforcement of what you were just saying was in in all of these rituals we always journey to ask you know what's an appropriate offering to the element we're going to to help us to make something happen in the ritual and with these places out in nature and on the water where we're going the first request is always pick up the garbage Mm -hmm. you know it used to be give the water gold (laughs) you know and now it's pick up your garbage i don't want your gold i want you to pick up your trash and to do something with it to recycle it back into the movement of things yeah i got an email this morning um, from the house sound protection group Um, and there's this alarming little passage that here in the sound which is a beautiful piece of water you know we almost got whales back last year, almost. I think they kind of looked at them with a yuck and walked away. And they're, they're complaining because people are deciding that if you don't want your boat, put a hole in the bottom and let it sink. And they come up with all they come up with the ideas. Well, divers can use it. Well, things will grow on it. No, you're dumping your garbage in the water just because you can't be bothered. And so some, maybe, maybe being bothered is really what we do just being bothered and being bothered means you do pick up the garbage being bothered means you do stop and help the lady across the road being bothered means you do do something about the bears being hunted for being hunted for nothing else but being hunted maybe we do 
just allow ourselves to be bothered. I think when we talk about spiritual life, there is no difference between your right. There's no difference between our everyday life and our spiritual life. They're the same thing. We would like them to be separate so that we can excuse ourselves from one or the other. Oh, I can't do that. The Spirit's told me to do it. Or the Spirit's told me not to do it. Or I'm in a spiritual mode. I really can't know the lawn right now. We use them. We use them to keep ourselves from being bothered in some form or, or another. So I suppose the very first thing is actually to sit down. All the listeners, sit down, take a deep breath, and realize that you are an ancestor in a continuous spiritual conversation with God, the divine, the ancestors. Whatever you do is that conversation, is that song, is that dance, whatever you do. So make it count. Every time you open your mouth and say something, that's a song to the ancestors. That's a song calling to the descendants. Make it count. Hmm. Really simple sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And so let's take a moment here. Okay, so we've talked about all of this. So what, what would happen... What if we don't change the story? What if we don't go back to the forest? What if humanity simply continues on the trajectory that it is on without being bothered to change anything? What happens uh-huh. if we don't well, go back to the forest? I think it will be like any parent. I, 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 we've already talked about the extinctionist. I think the parent will just think, okay, time for punishment. But I think actually what will happen is we make this assumption that everything depends on us. But everything else actually doesn't depend on us. The world, the world will go on. If we don't catch up with it, if we don't go along with its ride and stop forcing the world and the forest and the animals and the environment to come along with our addictive ride, because that's what we're trying to do, if we don't lose our addiction, if we don't go... And, you know, maybe it is going to be cold turkey for a lot of us. Maybe if we don't rid ourselves, first thing will happen is, like all those great intervention shows, the family, the forest family will intervene and we'll get some stern stuff and stuff we've got to do. We'll probably cry a lot. We'll probably even ask for forgiveness. But in the end, the world will go on without us. You know, we keep saying, oh, the world, the end of the world is coming. No, the end of the world is not coming. What we're doing is <laughs> we're taking a shortcut to the end of humanity. That's what will happen. Now, that sounds doom and gloomy, but it's only doom and gloomy if that's what we choose. And we can choose to say, that just doesn't work. I want to be. I want to go out and hug a tree. Trees are very friendly. Hug a tree, it's going to hug you back a hundred more times. But maybe we just go out and let ourselves be held by the world and maybe maybe we take a whole day scary i'm gonna ask people to do a really scary thing now a whole day switch your cell phone off switch your computer off switch your tv off switch all that stuff off and just spend a day outside if it's raining well rain are the rain spirits of forgiveness and blessing don't stand in the rain if we could just Stop being human with a capital H and allow ourselves to be back in that primal, ancestral, 
forest relationship where we just become one of the children, just simple, and open our mouths and whatever comes out will be the song of the ancestors. And way, way out in the future, the descendants will light us a great fire. They'll burn incense. They'll write hymns to us. And they'll say, the ancestors have spoken. And they've heard us because we've not been on a cell phone. You can't communicate with the future descendants on a cell phone. <laughs> Just be through sitting still. I know, I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> so, Jean-Luc... Um I'd like to shift a little bit because part of the reason we're talking about this theme of returning to the forest, everyone, is because um, Jean-Luc and the, the Shamanic Society there in BC are hosting a conference, the title of which is Return to the Forest. And what's fascinating to me about this particular conference, having been involved in all, all four of them, is how this conference in this theme of return to the forest and that simple connection is suddenly interconnected all over the globe. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, John, could you share with us kind of how, how you ended up getting connected with a tribe in Brazil and how we got to a situation where everyone registering for the conference is actually purchasing a tree that is going to get replanted in the rainforest in Brazil and then sung to by particular, I mean, can you just, Give us that story. Okay, I promise not to cry because it's one of those accidental animistic miracles that happens purely by chance. When This is the second of a, of a series of three annual gatherings. Last year, we gathered and we worked with our ancestors and we reconnected with them and we asked them to make us worthy descendants. This year... We're doing it the other way around. We're acknowledging that we're the ancestors and we're creating a path forward for our descendants. Next year, we're just going to be descendants. So what I wanted to do is I wanted, to, um, I wanted everyone to feel part of creating something for the future. And in one of my wild moments, I thought, how about, everybody, how about we take part of everybody's registration fee and we buy a tree? And we get it planted somewhere. And here's, I have to admit, here's where the internet does work for you. I found this amazing organization called the Terra Nosa Foundation in Amsterdam. And worked with a wonderful man there. And he introduced me to the Patazio tribe. And I'm not very good at um, their language, so... And that's the best. That's the best I'm going to say it. And this tribe lives on the Atlantic Brazilian rainforest, somewhere there. And this tribe was well, a small tribe. And what happens is white men come in, cut down their forest, expel the tribe, put up eucalyptus plantations, and kind of devastated the tribe. And in devastating the tribe, the tribe also, which is what modern addicted humans do is eradicate spiritual practice. The tribe, over a, over a course of many years, eventually took the Brazilian government to court and won the right to have their lands back and to have all the people who had invaded their land removed. 
course, when they go back, the trees have gone. And the chief and the page, the page is the spiritual leader of the tribe, have a dream. And their dream is to replant the forest. But it's not just about replanting the forest. And this is where the story becomes one of those mythological sagas that I hope everyone will remember. Chief Arasir's dream, and you can actually hear him speak about this, is that he will get trees, and the trees will be assigned to the elders who know the old ways. And these elders will take these trees, and they will find children, and they will teach in planting the trees the children the old ways, and teach the children how to tend these trees. These children's job will be to do exactly the same to their children, because these trees are going to take a long, long, long time to grow, so that by the time the forest is completely restored, it will be the current children's children's children, children. I think it's going to take four generations. And in all that, those, the tribe that will exist then will not just have their forest back, but will have learned from each ancestor who was once a descendant of the elder before them, all the ancient ways, all the ancient songs, all the magic of living in the forest as an equal. They don't see themselves as different from the trees they're planting. And this was, I was so moved by this that we bought, I think we bought 300 trees. And so everybody's not just bought one tree. I think we bought about three trees each. They were so impressed with the fact that we weren't just buying one or two trees that they have given us permission. Uh, the page was, was, was asked, and the page has given us permission not just to perform one of their forest dances, but to take one of their forest songs and to be able to sing it. We've been given permission to do that. We looked at the song. It's written in a very strange form of Portuguese. And they gave us permission to, so long as we didn't lose the essence of the song, we could change it so that our Western civilized mouths and brains could work with it. So we had um, great fun in researching what the words actually meant at a spiritual level. And we got Jeff Stockton, who lives in Calgary, and the two of us sat and we worked and we came up with music and a refashioning of the words and the dance that has now been sent to Brazil because the page and his son, Chief Aracia, insisted that they wanted to see and hear what we had done so that they could use that as part of their teaching for their descendants. And it's just that the just, just an amazing story. So when people come to the conference, every morning we're going to sing that song. We're going to hold our little certificate saying that we bought this tree, these trees. We're going to dance that dance. And it's going to be filmed so that it will go back to the Pataxia tribe in Brazil. That's just so wonderful. I'm just getting so emotional about it. I'm going to stop talking about it now. <laughs> It's, it's so beautiful. It's, it, it's reason enough to register for the conference in and of itself. Um, it's, it's, it's just, you know, we have actually been tentatively invited to go and meet the page, who's actually fairly sick at the moment. He's not very well. Uh, and the chief. And there's even this hint that Chief Arasir will actually come 
to the 2014 conference to tell us what happened to the trees. And just, you know, it was just one of those little spirit, you know, it's one of those, let's stop, let's stop bothering about unimportant things, let's bother about important things. And suddenly I have this connection with this amazing gentleman in Amsterdam, um, um, a three-way conversation with an ancestral chief and an ancestral spiritual leader in Brazil. It's just, it just hurts your head sometimes. And that was done through simplicity. That was not done by thinking, I have to do something, um, what can I do? It was just sitting and listening. And I think on that day, I, they cut a tree down in the backyard. And I thought, that's mm-hmm. wicked. I must go out and pray for that tree. And because I stopped and just listened, this whole thing unfolded. And th- I think when we come back to it, that's what we're asking people to do, just stop. You know, what I'm actually saying to people, that this conference, this gathering, is a moment where we can just stop. Just stop. Just stop and listen. Just stop and be bothered about each other. Just stop and be bothered about the little piece of paper that you hold in your hand that represents trees. And the elder and the child that will take care of that tree. Just just stop and just be with that. That's, That's really the focus of... Everything we've been talking about, just stop, be still. Let the world tell us what it wants. Let's stop telling the world what we want. Let's just stop and listen to the forest. It's constantly singing to us. And we're just not listening because we're too busy. And we're not busy on anything, really, of really any great importance. Making money, I suppose. Deciding whether some of us <laughs> deciding whether this person can marry this person as if it was any bother of ours, deciding whether this person should have food and this person shouldn't have food, whether this person to own this land or this person shouldn't own the land, you know all those really stupid places we've got ourselves into. Because if you think about it, they're really not important. Anyone should be able to marry who they want. This is this is my home. I should be allowed to live here. I'm hungry, I should be allowed to eat. And we've, we've created politics and capitalism and greed and war and all that stuff, as if to say, these are really important things. And what we've done is we've just ignored the little spot we stand in that really needs our attention. It really needs our attention and love and care. And that little spot could be the person who stands next to me. It could be the house sound where they're sinking ships. It could be the lady at the end of the road who's partner has died and who's going to take her down to the bus. Just stop and be bothered about the simple things in life. That's true shamanism. Be involved with your environment and let the environment guide you rather than you tell the environment what you want. So Jean-Luc, this is, it, it, that is truly just a profound piece of this year's conference. I was wondering if there are other things about this year's conference you're particularly excited about. Like, I'm particularly excited that we have Annie Spencer coming from England. <gasps> amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Annie's coming and she's, um, she's, she's, you know, this is her first visit and she's woven through the whole thing. She's, she's keeping people occupied on uh, a sacred ceremony day, and she's going to be telling stories about ravens. And she's running a, a women's ceremony. But what she's also doing is every morning, 
Every morning, there's going to be a continuation of the song of the Patatio, their dance, the story of the trees, and the story of, in our tradition, all trees are songs. They're songs from the earth to the stars. And so we've got Jeff Stockton from Calgary and a little team who are going to lead us into being that song. And Annie is going to be there talking about the moment between, the tree that exists between the earth and the stars and who we are and what our responsibility is. We've got uh, Dr. Vladislav Matronetsky coming from uh, Kiev, and he is going to come and teach us all ancestral throat singing so that we really again connect to that, to that song. We've got Christiana Hall coming from Finland, who is going to, I laugh, I know Christiana very well, uh, she's coming to teach us uh, the story of how the first human lost his way and how the forest created the woman to try and bring him home. It doesn't work, by the way. But she's going to come and tell us this story through a great reenactment. So we've got some just amazing people coming. We've got, oh, I think we've got somebody called Christina Pratt. <laughs> um, we've got, uh, we have Cat um, Naslas coming from, now, I don't think she's got a home, but she's coming and she's going from to... From planet Earth, yeah. Probably. And she's Earth. going to teach us how to um, be held by the first ancestor. And the first ancestor in our tradition is the fire. And so to be held by the fire, I think that's going to be scary. Mm. I think that means we're going to get our feet burnt. But Pips, I won't say any more about that. So we've got some really exciting things happening. And all this, imagine it as one great big four-day ceremony... And all these people, you know, we've got about 50 teachers coming to get us involved in the motivation to raise the song of our souls and tell the descendants, we've cleared the path, we're going to be good ancestors, we're going to guide you. And in guiding you, you will take care of the forest that we are planting today. A great, it's going to be a great event. It truly is. And um, there's only, there's less than a dozen spaces remaining for this conference. And I am going to put the link to register onto the Facebook page for the show today, if it's not already up there. Um, However, for those of you who would like to, you can go to circleofgreatmystery.org and click on conferences, click on 2013 and, and, register because they can register through the site right the website absolutely yes that's it, that's yes. it. And if you got any problem with that just email me on wolfindark at telus.net wolfindark is one word at telus.net and i'll guide you through the process and i'll help and i'll answer any questions and Oh, and you know, we haven't actually mentioned that um, the conference itself is about an hour north of Vancouver, British Columbia, up mm-hmm. a be- beautiful river, fjord, river. It's a river, right? Yeah. It's the great river Garibaldi. You better not call it a little river. It's, they get very right. upset. Yeah. Right. It's a great so it's, river. It's, yes. And, we, um, and it's on Squamish land and yes. at the Easter Seals camp. And... <laughs> One of my favorite parts of this particular conference, other than the fact that our 
you know, our, our living situation is fairly humble. And so people tend to be out and about and on the land and with each other instead of hanging out in their conference, in their hotel rooms, because there's no mm-hmm. hotel. <laughs> um, but what I love about, well, there are many things I love about this conference, but one is that because we are in a more rustic situation, when we call in the first ancestor and light the fire, the fire burns continuously throughout the conference, day and night, and um, helps us, I believe, to remember what it is to live connected to these essential energies. And as Jean-Luc said, remembering what is important and, and then doing the simple things that can be done to interact with, to be in relationship with, to, to be with those um, simple things versus being at a conference where we talk about these things and maybe have journey experiences about these things, but in the end, we're not doing it. Absolutely. And that- I think one of the things about our conference is that I hope, I hope, it's my dream, that we actually don't just inspire, but we give people tools to actually go away the very next day and do stuff, mm-hmm. to be stuff, to be bothered. To be bothered. Mm-hmm. We need bumper stickers or T-shirts. To be bothered I think that's right. to is be to be bothered. human. Yes, to yes. be bothered is to be truly human. Um, so uh, we will do our best, Jean-Luc and I will do our best to help those of you that might be inspired to come to the conference um, to register um, and, and seize, seize the moment and seize one of those few remaining spots at the conference. Um, as Jean-Luc said, I will be there. Jean-Luc will obviously be there. Uh, many really um, fascinating, amazing uh, presenters who are not normally in the U.S. I mean, they're not normally even in North America. So that's part of the uh, excitement, I think, about this particular conference is it's very international in its interconnection mm-hmm. and then in its outreach. Uh, you know, when when we think about planting the trees and being having already received the song, you know, all that is going on, it is it is speaking to the children, uh, humanity as a family, in a very real way, uh, in many real ways, and helping us. Uh, um, as North Americans who tend to think we are the center of the entire universe to find our place in that family um, uh, gracefully with our brothers and sisters and, and not, and then not just the humans, but the humans with, with everything else. When that fire is burning in the center and the first ancestor is called in, it helps us begin to remember, um, you know, that we're just a small piece of the whole weave of the fabric we're a powerful piece, but a small piece, and that these these energies are are vast and eternal and truly immortal, unlike us, <laughs> <laughs> who have but a moment, a moment in the time of the earth to find our song, find what resonates, and to truly sing it, and to sing it in harmony with others, so that we are opening the way for the descendants. So Jean-Luc, we're almost done here. What, what would you like to say in closing here today? I think to close, I'm just going to help, help us to... I'm, going, I'm just going to try and give us a moment. And Christine, I don't know whether you remember it, but last year at the conference, there was a really powerful moment just as we'd finished your ceremony where we had called to the ancestors. And it was late at night and everyone felt a state of connection and belonging 
nothing seemed to matter. Nothing seemed to matter. And the entrance to the main pavilion, which is a great big tent, was parted and a stag put its head through. The, its head through. Now, I didn't actually see this, but it was related to me. And some of the men went out with the stag and it walked with them. You know, they put their arms around it and it walked with them back to the forest as if that connection, that simplicity had happened. And I think that's a piece of magic that we're working towards, where we can actually be called by an animal and be led back to the forest. That animal, for me, was the ancestors. And I think if we can just, I, want to, I just want to go back to that, be bothered, be still, simple things. And when those simple things happen, the miracle of the simple happens. A stag looks at the tent door and calls people out into the night and walks with them into the forest. That piece of history is really, should be an inspiration for us moving forward. Just to be simple, to listen not to do, but to be. That doesn't sound good, but you know, all know what I mean. And just take a breath and let your breath be the song that the ancestors have sung to you and that you are singing to the descendants so that you are the means by which that great song moves from the time before time way into the future that you and I will be long gone. But there will be people singing our songs under a tree that we planted. That's what I'd like to leave with people. Thank you, Jean-Luc. Thank you for sure. joining us here today. Thank you so much for asking me. All right, everyone, thank you. Uh, we give thanks to the ancestors and the descendants. For the ancestors for pushing and the descendants for pulling. <laughs> and we give thanks to the energy of the earth below the sky above, and we give thanks to the energy of your hearts as they unite it all. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Find something simple. Take a nice deep breath. Let the song emerge, and then do that simple thing. Thank you all.